This is the Game Dev Field Guide bonus episode number 15. Today's special guest, me, Zaccavelli. This episode of the Game Dev Field Guide is sponsored by our patrons. Everyone gets this episode for free, and it's all thanks to the generosity of the patrons. If you would like to become a patron and support the show, as well as vote on future episode topics and get a special Discord role, I'll leave a link to that in the show notes. With that out of the way, let's move on over to the first segment of the show, which is Buff Debuff. Buff Debuff is a game we play where community members give me usually like one term or one sentence topics and I don't do any research. I kind of just go off the top and say what I think and I'll say if I think the topic is buffed or good or moving in the right direction or debuffed where I think maybe it could be improved or just as in a general downtrend. So yeah, let's start Buff Debuff. The first topic is online multiplayer games as an indie dev. I would say online multiplayer games as an indie dev is debuffed. Not because I don't think that multiplayer games are good or that they don't work as well as single player games. I actually prefer to play multiplayer games, but the sheer work and knowledge that comes with making a multiplayer game is just a lot. It's a lot of stuff to add on to an already hard thing to do, which is make a game in the first place. So yeah, for the extra challenge, I would say online multiplayer games are debuffed, but don't let the extra challenge stop you or make you not want to do a multiplayer game. If multiplayer is right for your game, it is definitely achievable. It's definitely doable. And if it's right for the game, it's something you have to do. So... Yeah, just because I think it's debuffed doesn't mean you shouldn't do it, and it doesn't mean I won't do it either. It's just I can acknowledge that it's going to (laughs) take a little bit of extra work. All right, the next topic is AI-assisted programming. And I actually don't know very much about this at all. On our community Discord, we have a lot of professional programmers who seem to know a little bit more about this. They're talking about things like GitHub Copilot, And uh, yeah, I guess if I understand the topic well enough, uh, the AI can kind of predict where you want to go with the programming, or maybe even I've seen algorithms or AI that you just like type a sentence and it builds a website for you. You say, I want a website uh, that has a shop where I can sell flowers or something like that. And it'll just set it up all for you based on the text you inputted. I think that's super interesting And it kind of goes with like the general trend of game dev tools are just getting easier and easier. And the bar is getting lower and lower for being able to make games. And converse to that, that means that the bar of which games will succeed is getting higher and higher. And you have to be better and better at the actual game design. So yeah, I guess I would say AI-assisted programming is buffed anytime you can make it easier for people to make games, uh, it's better. I don't think we're quite to the point yet where you can just describe to the AI the game you want and it'll make it. But I could see something like that in the far future. And maybe not even the far future, maybe within my lifetime. So yeah, I think it's buffed because um, it allows you to focus on the game design and the art. And a lot of times it's the art people and the game design people who 
the programming is like the pain point for them, so that'll be automated. Makes you wonder if there'll ever be an AI game designer or an AI artist. And, well, those things, I think, have some kind of human element to them. I could see them getting you 90% of the way there, uh, and then the human finishes the last 10%. All right, next we have nonviolent conflict resolution. And this is in the context of, like, battle systems that aren't really fighting. You're more maybe debating or talking it out. I think these conflict resolution... What, what do I want to call it? Mechanics, I guess, are buffed. And I think that because it kind of allows you to tell a different kind of story. I think a lot of our entertainment these days um, is there's like always fighting. It's based on <laughs> combat in games or even in movies. But I think some of the best stories can be told through other kinds of conflict resolution, either through like intelligence or appealing to emotions I think conflict itself will always be at the center of stories uh, and entertainment because that's what makes it interesting. But how you resolve that doesn't always have to be fighting. And we know that from books. We know that from movies. And uh, we've seen it in games. Undertale is a great example of that. I remember in Fallout New Vegas how you can debate. I think it's the second to last boss. Or maybe it's the last boss. I can't remember exactly. It's been a long time since I've played it, but... Yeah, not to spoil anything in Fallout New Vegas, but you can win without having to fight. And I always thought that was really cool. So to me, nonviolent conflict resolution in video games is buffed. Next, we have interactive crafting in VR. We recently did an episode on crafting systems, and I talked about the difference between shallow and deep crafting systems. And I think interactive crafting is like a really cool way especially in VR, um, to kind of shift that spectrum of shallow versus deep towards the deep. It kind of makes you rely on some kind of technique to make whatever you're making. So yeah, I think VR brings up a lot of interesting possibilities, and interactive crafting is one of them, and for that reason, it's buffed. Next, we have kit bashing, and I've been hearing this term a lot actually lately. And I know what it means based on, like, um, like I've built a Warhammer 40k army. I play orcs, by the way. And in that sense, kit bashing is really just taking things from other kits that maybe even don't belong to the orcs. Uh, but because they loot things, they can... <laughs> you can make, like, a lore reason why they could have anyone's equipment or tank or whatever. I'm guessing kit bashing in this sense just means taking things from various pre-made assets and kind of smashing them together to make your own. And to me, this is a buffed development strategy. Anytime you can make uh, things quickly or improve your workflow is really handy. And I think in the future, I'm going to look more and more at using pre-made assets uh, to make my games and speed up my development times. And I've done a whole segment, or maybe even a whole episode about this, I can't exactly remember, but there's the difference between doing like an asset flip, where you just kind of kid bash everything, and um, the game doesn't really have a consistent art direction, and it feels really sloppy, and that would be debuffed. But I do believe there is a way to do kit bashing where everything feels cohesive, and in that sense, it is buffed, because it offers uh, faster development times, 
and uh, higher quality art sometimes. And lastly, we have static versus dynamic environments. If I had to say one was buffed over the other, I would say dynamic environments are buffed. Um, they just always look better when things are moving around in the environment. And it's not that hard to do to add a little bit of extra movement to your environment. Even if you have a very simple like 2D platformer game, um, just like flowers and grass blowing in the wind, maybe a waterfall in the background, a parallax effect with the mountains in the background, something that brings the environment a little bit more to life, that will always look better than a straight static environment. So yeah, in my opinion, dynamic environments are buffed, and static environments, they're not debuffed, but they're just kind of in the middle. They're just whatever. So yeah, that's going to do it for today's buff debuff. I know people really like this segment, and I really like doing it, so if you have a buff debuff topic that you want me to cover, uh, just go on over to the community Discord, and in the buff debuff channel, just write whatever you want to hear me talk about. With that, we're going to move on over to the second segment of the show. The second segment is always a keynote or something like that from a special guest. And today I decided to do a postmortem on my recently released game, Bounce Shot. So I guess without further ado, please welcome the developer of Bounce Shot, me. Today I wanted to do a postmortem on my recently released game Bounce Shot, and before I start, I just want to thank everyone who bought it and especially people who reviewed it. Releasing a game is like a very um, nerve-wracking thing because it's like, I don't know if this is going to work, if people are going to like it, this thing that I spent a lot of my life on, if you think about it, in the last seven months. Is anyone even going to care enough to try it? And I felt a good amount of support from our community, and it kind of alleviated my nerves, especially on the first day. There was a lot of people from our community who bought it and reviewed it, and I just really appreciate that, guys. Um, like I said, anytime you put your art out there in the world, uh, something you spent a lot of time in and tried hard on, it just means a lot to have people who actually care, so thank you. If you don't know what a post-mortem is, it's sort of a reflection piece where you look back at a project after it's been completed and you figure out what worked and what didn't. And hopefully from this you can learn some lessons for the future. And I hope by doing this, um, everyone listening will be able to learn the same lessons that I did and maybe avoid some of the mistakes I made. So I'm going to break down what worked and why I think it worked and what didn't and why. And then maybe I'll have like a final conclusion where we figure out the big takeaways. Before we start, I just want to do a brief introduction to the project so that you have the proper context. Bounce Shot is an FPS action puzzle game where the core mechanic is that every shot must be bounced off of specific surfaces. The gameplay revolves around you positioning your body and weapon in ways that your shots bounce off the floor and then the ceiling, then the wall, and maybe around a corner for instance. This project began as a jam game, actually. I made it for Nate Jam, hosted by the game dev YouTubers Nate, that's an 8, and Wannabe Manisha. 
I did okay in the jam as far as the ranking went, but I felt like I had a really fun raw gameplay that if I polished, I could make a solid full game. And it was around this time that I did this jam, I was doing some serious reflecting about my other commercial project, one I had been working on for a really long time up to that point, and I had come to the conclusion that my scope for the vision of that current game was too big and the project had to be shelved. For those who have been listening for a long time, I think I've talked about it before, it was the monster battling sort of Pokemon-like game. And uh, yeah, I talked about before how the scope of it was just too big and not something I felt like I wanted to risk all the marbles of my business on. So anyways, I figured, well, I have this game with like fun, raw gameplay. Let me polish it up and release it on Steam and get used to putting out games on Steam. I had never done it before. And I can get some experience under my belt with the whole Steam process and maybe even get some sales going for my company. So I figured it would take me between four and six months to get Bounce Shot full of content and polished up. And it ended up taking me seven months. And a lot of that was due to me going through a couple processes for the first time. And I'm hoping that the more that I do this, the faster and faster my game dev cycles will get. I think I can get to the point where I'm on that four to six month game cycle but that of course is going to depend on the scope of the games I make. So yeah anyways that's kind of a rundown of the game and the project's timeline. If you haven't seen it yet it might be worth going to Steam right now and searching up Bounce Shot and watching the gameplay trailer on the Steam page. It's only like a minute or a minute and a half long. I think that'll give you really good context for the rest of the segment if you haven't seen it yet or don't know what Bounce Shot is. Okay, so let's start with what did work. For starters, I'm really proud of the core mechanic. I think it's truly an innovation on the FPS genre, and I'm not aware of any FPSs that take the ricocheting your shots thing and exploring it as much as Bounce Shot does. The mechanic is solid and I think results in a lot of fun, especially when you're able to line up those high bounce shots, those triple and quadruple shots, I think feel really, really good and are really cool moments. I'm also really proud of the reflect mechanic, and I think it adds a lot of depth and complexity to the formula. The reflect mechanic allows the player to perform a melee attack and hit or reflect one of their shots, adding to its bounce count. This allows you to do cool things like juggle shots off walls or set up complex shots by assisting yourself. This mechanic wasn't present in the jam version, and I think it adds a lot to the game. I think it was a very wise game design decision for me to decide that the jam version was missing something and it needed like one little extra sub mechanic and this was the perfect thing to add I think. I'd also like to say that I think the level design of the game is quite strong and I'm glad I went with the bite sized levels and quick playtime scheme. Basically in the game there are eight level courses and you're meant to play an entire course at a time. Each of the eight levels have a par time, usually somewhere around a minute. Your goal is to complete each level under the par time. So hypothetically, you might take, I don't know, like between eight and 10 minutes to beat a course. I think this quick approach to the levels made it so that the game is always focused and there's no lost time where you aren't experiencing the core mechanic, which is the strongest part of the game. I think if I had longer levels, the player would have gotten fatigued by puzzles and gotten bored with the mechanic. But because every level is so quick and focused, 
It allows the player to take on the puzzle and action in bite-sized amounts. And the levels themselves with the action puzzles and platforming I think are actually quite good, especially the last few courses. I still have fun playing those courses even now, and I've played Bound Shot for hundreds of hours through all the time I have playtested it. I'm also proud of the technical side of things with Bound Shot. I think behind the scenes I did some smart design, and although the code isn't perfect, I made several, like I said, behind the scenes design decisions that allowed me, a one-man team, to create a po pretty fully featured 3D FPS game. It's no small feat completing a game as a solo dev, and let alone a 3D FPS with as much content as Bondshot has. I attribute this to my modular design of the levels. I tried to make pieces for the level that I could put together in a bunch of different ways, sort of like a Lego set, to make interesting levels, and I think it works pretty good. Not every level feels like cookie cutter, everything feels a little bit different and interesting, but it's not so unique that I had to do like custom artwork for each level. Lastly, I wanted to point out that from a sound design and music standpoint, this is the best work I have ever done. I think the sound effects hit that perfect balance between doing enough, but not too much, and they provide a good amount of extra juice to the actions. And the music really is by far my best work ever as a game dev musician. Uh, let me play you a clip from the credits level real fast. It's probably my favorite track in the game. So yeah, I wanted to go for that Eurodance genre, and it's funny how that worked out because the reason that I realized Eurodance went great with the gameplay is because during the game jam I would work like a 10 or 12 hour day, and towards the end I would be really losing motivation, and so I'd throw some Eurodance music on just because it's so exhilarating and it let me like crank out another two hours of work while vibing. And I realized while playtesting that the Eurodance actually really fit the gameplay. And so, yeah, that's why the soundtrack for Bound Shot is in the Eurodance genre. And lastly, on the positive side, I just wanted to read a few reviews. On Steam, Bound Shot is sitting on mostly positive reviews. And I just wanted to visit what other people are saying. I realize there is a bit of a bias in here, as some of these are from our community members and fans of the show, and I really appreciate you guys for going out of your way to do that and speak positively about Bound Shot. I do think there are some objectively true things in these reviews, despite the bias, so let's just read some and see what others thought. This review comes from Julian B. 
Julian says, Bounce Shot is a lot of fun. It has a great mix of first-person shooter with puzzles. There are quite a few levels, and you can even challenge others as well. I've made it almost to a third series of levels, so I only have to figure out the best way to get two more levels done, and I'll unlock another slew of levels to play. You can really tell that a lot of time was made to set up the levels, and they are both fun and interesting due to that time. I'm not going to lie and say that some of the levels aren't challenging, but as you progress through that game and finish the level that you couldn't before, you really feel a wave of satisfaction. Here's a review from Silver J. Super fun game. The puzzles have the perfect amount of challenge. Music sounds amazing. Really interesting bounce mechanic. Rewarding when you hit the tough angle shot and surprising when a loose bullet hits an enemy you weren't aiming for. The monthly leaderboard makes you want to get better and better. And lastly, we have one from Shane Poppy. Wonderful game, a masterful blend of puzzle and FPS elements. Any fan of Portal would be missing out not to give it a, in parentheses, bounce shot. <laughs> a little pun on the title. Thank you, Shane, for that review. I've noticed in many of the reviews that people compared it to having elements of Portal and Portal 2, which is something I was going for, so I'm happy people felt that way. And, uh, yeah, anytime your game gets compared to something like Portal, that's extremely high praise, so I'm really happy with that. I also noticed that people really dug the monthly leaderboard mechanic and the personal challenge of improving your score after playing the levels. And that's another thing I was hoping for because that's the kind of thing that I like the most about a game like this, so I was happy to provide that experience for others. So now that we've talked about what did work, let's visit what didn't work, or what I wish I maybe had done different. And I'm going to start this actually by reading a negative review, because I think this negative review actually has a lot of objective truth, and it does a good job of identifying the main problems with Bounce Shot. This review comes from Sneaky Squidbert, and it's actually pretty long, so I'll paraphrase. They do go through the positives and the negatives, uh, and overall left it with a not recommended. But I just wanted to point out that even in the negative review, it says the music slaps, so that's how you know <laughs> that the music was pretty good. But anyways, I'm just going to jump to the negatives of this post. Although I like the speed in which the game tries to encourage, I found myself frustrated as there was always something slowing me down. The default run speed I found to be far too slow, and at first I felt like I was slogging through levels and was convinced I was missing a sprint button. Later I saw one of the tooltips that encouraged bunny hopping, and while this does speed things up, it was far too easy to lose momentum on a failed jump. And then on the next bullet point it says, The Puzzles. Although I liked the idea of solving puzzles in this game, it was by far my least favorite part as it slowed the pace of the game completely down. When you first load into a new level, the first thing I did was speed around and kill all the enemies by dodging bullets and bouncing my shots into them. After they were dealt with, it's a slow, okay, where's the switch? Found it, now where's the perfect spot to stand and line up my shot? It's here, now let's trial and error until I figure out the precise location to aim and hit the target. And the last bullet on the negative says, I really wish the hit detection on my shots was just a little better. Too many times I found myself frustrated by the shots just missing the switch, and I found the solution, but I just couldn't quite hit, get that perfect lineup. Same thing happens when shooting enemies. I think that middle point especially highlights the biggest problem with Bounce Shot, and it wasn't until I saw this review 
that I could have like an outside look and say, yeah, maybe the pacing was a little messed up here. And I think it's the biggest flaw of Bound Shot, actually. Looking back on it, I can see exactly how the pacing became an issue. I playtested Bound Shot a bunch, literally for hundreds of hours. And when I play, I have a ton of fun because I can go really fast, and speed isn't really an issue for me. And the key reason why that is, is that I design the puzzles and know the solutions. Notice in the review, the reviewer is frustrated because they too want to go fast because that's when they have the most fun. But when it comes time to do a puzzle, they have to stop and figure it out. The solutions aren't as obvious as I thought, and I became blind to this pacing issue because I never had to stop and look at a puzzle and take the time to figure it out. I knew the places to stand and the angles to shoot. And I think it was that lack of knowledge of the puzzle solutions that I would have needed to see this issue. And this brings up an interesting conundrum where you can't really get an authentic playtesting experience by playtesting puzzles that you built yourself. I really should have seen this coming, especially since one of the pieces of feedback I received during the initial game jam was this very thing. That this person who played it didn't like the pacing. They wanted it to either be an action game where you shoot the robots or a puzzle-only game where you figure out the puzzles. And I figured, oh, well, that's the first time the player plays the game. They won't know the puzzles and they'll go slowly. But as they play more and more, they'll start to memorize the solutions and they'll be able to go fast like me. Well, I still think this is true. I didn't anticipate that that first time they go through, it might be so slow that it causes friction and they don't want to do it again. So if there's one like core flaw to bounce shot uh, that turns away beginner level players, I think it's this pacing. So yeah, I just wanted to thank Sneaky Squidbird for posting this review. I don't know if this is someone from our community or not, but I think they did a good job of giving like objectively true criticism. And uh, yeah, there was no like personal attacks or anything. I didn't take it personally. Um, I can recognize that games are hard to make and you will never make one perfect. And the only way you improve is if people point out the flaws. So yeah, I really appreciate this, Squidbert, if you're out there listening. And yeah, I would encourage anyone, uh, when it comes to criticizing my games or other people's games or even your own games, really look at what the objective truth is. And it can be hard to do that because you spend so much of your life and your energy on it and you can become personally attached to the project. And criticism can feel like a personal attack. But uh, as long as the person criticizing isn't actually personally attacking you, as long as it's objective about the game, the only thing you're going to get from criticism is getting better. So yeah, just keep that in mind for the future. The next thing I wish I did differently is not so much a problem with the game itself, but my execution as a game dev business. And that was my lack of proper marketing for the game. For marketing Bound Shot, I basically relied on word of mouth through my various social media and content platforms. I have a popular game dev podcast, a growing Twitch and Twitter, and a strong Discord community, and I hoped that through word of mouth I could get the game out there to the right people. But I didn't really even execute this fully, as I really only mentioned it a handful of times on each platform, and it didn't reach as far as I had hoped. 
don't get me wrong, I had a solid first day of sales, and that was mostly thanks to you guys within the community, but it never really spread that much outside of the community to the people who I think the game can really appeal to, and that actually makes sense. I don't think I matched up the game to the demographic that might really enjoy the game. Like, Bound Shot is a challenging puzzle FPS game, and I fully acknowledge that that's not going to be for everyone. Our game dev community is very diverse, so something hyper-specific like this might not resonate with a lot of people in a diverse community like ours. I should have matched the marketing efforts to a demographic who maybe are more interested in a game like Bounce Shot. I wish I would have reached out to maybe some speedrunning communities, for instance, because I think it would really gel well with them. Or maybe Portal fans, as I think Bounce Shot would appeal to them as well, even more than a general audience. And on the whole, I could have just put more effort or hired someone to put the effort in and I've realized now that you almost have to be as good or better as a marketer than you are as a game dev. And that takes time and effort to do both. And I'll admit that I was exhausted as a game dev and didn't have the motivation to do the marketing. So going forward, I think I'll have to hire or try a new approach or workflow that will let me get my game out there to the right audiences more consistently. So yeah, with all that said, what are my big takeaways? I think Bounce Shot is a truly innovative FPS game with a strong core mechanic that I am proud of. It's another completed project that I have in my portfolio, and I've improved again tremendously by completing this as a game dev. I made enough money with it to cover the expenses of the game, uh, but critically that does not include my labor, just the various things I had to pay for to get it made. If I'm going to do this as my job, I will need to be able to pay myself for the labor. Luckily, I keep a long runway of cash for my business, so I can afford to fail and try again. And that's something I would recommend for anyone who is going into a full-time indie dev. Uh, assume you're going to fail maybe the first two times you make a game and keep enough cash to keep you going for that long amount of time. If I'm going to get to the point where I can pay myself... For my next attempt, the biggest thing I need to focus on is better marketing and appealing to the right audience. And I did this, I've already started my next project, and the first thing we did live on stream, actually, was do some market research and design a game that was for mass appeal or something that I think an audience will be easy to find for. So yeah, we'll see how it goes, and in six months or so, I should have another one of these postmortems for you. I appreciate you listening, and I'll talk to you soon. So yeah, there you have it. A postmortem on my game, Bounce Shot. I hope you were able to learn some things maybe for your own practice as an indie dev, or even as a hobby dev. And I think that's one of the great things about a community, um, is that we can learn from each other's mistakes and kind of share that knowledge. Postmortems, I think, are a really good way to kind of reflect and collect all this knowledge and all the mistakes and things that did work well and kind of gel them all together into like a list of here are the things that worked and didn't and here are the lessons. So yeah, if you want to do a postmortem and put it up on the Discord, um, that would be awesome. Maybe you want to promote your own YouTube or something like that. Just let me know and we can throw that up in the show and tell. <laughs> I think that kind of content really goes far 
um, in helping people, and I personally think they're interesting to watch. Speaking of interesting to watch, this is a great segue. Um, you can catch me on Twitch. Uh, I do live game dev on Twitch. I'm actually going to switch up my schedule, and we're going to do Monday, Wednesday, Friday at noon. That's noon Eastern. So, yeah, I know that's a little bit weird for the people in the United States. Uh, most people are working during those hours. I'll still do the occasional Saturday streams uh, just for our monthly Game Jam games, for instance. But, yeah, if you'd like to catch a live game dev session, tune in on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at noon Eastern. That's twitch.tv slash underscore. I'm also on Twitter. That's um, at underscore Zachavelli underscore. And uh, yeah, I occasionally tweet just random thoughts I have about game dev pretty sparsely, so I won't fill up your feed, but just enough to where you'll get interesting nuggets every now and then. And lastly, the best way to get a hold of me if you want to talk or talk with other people about game dev is the community Discord. I'll leave an invite link in the show notes. So yeah, thanks for listening, and I'll catch you on the next installment of the Game Dev Field Guide.